0: All right. We will go ahead and get started. Um, and uh, this is definitely a dialogue, not a, a didactic lecture. So interrupt anytime you have a question, as long as your mouth's not full. Um, and we will stop and talk about whatever. So this is not a, uh, a linear. This one's being. This is the recording mic. And that's the broadcast mic. So am I tolerable without that? Is this better? Is this on? It looks on Hello? Oh yeah. Okay. So we'll just pass them back and forth. So again, uh, I'm Doug Hester. This is my wife, Sydney Hester. And we want this very much to be a dialogue, not a uh, linear lecture by any stretch of the imagination. So interrupt anytime you have a question, comment, idea, suggestion. And we are definitely students in this area, uh, much more so than teachers, um, and feel very uh, inadequate for this particular subject, but um, something dear to our hearts. Uh, so if it is okay, I'm going to pray. and uh, and then we will proceed. Father, we thank you so much for this time. Uh, We thank you for this conference. We thank you so much for the work your son has done and is doing in our lives, Um, and he has brought us all here. Father, we praise you for that, and we praise you for the work um, he accomplished for us that we could not do. We thank you um, for the church, his bride, and we thank you for um, husband and wife relationships here on earth, and we just ask that you would glorify yourself in this time tonight, and that... um, uh, you would just teach us about marriage and about what it means uh, between a, a man and a woman, but also what it means to be a, a, a part of the Bride of Christ. We thank you so much for this time and ask in your name. Amen. Well, excellent. And again, interrupt any time. Right.
1: So I'm Sydney, and this is Doug. We're going to try and figure out the microphone situation here, so uh, don't laugh at us too much. But uh, I, we just want to tell you a little bit about ourselves, kind of our background. Um, I went to medical school at the Medical College of Georgia, and then I did three years of residency at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And then I'm currently in my second year of fellowship in infectious diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. Um, Doug also went to medical school, he's a year ahead of me, went to medical school at the Medical College of Georgia did a surgical internship there, and then proceeded on to UAB with me, where he did his three years of anesthesia. And now he's a junior assistant professor um, in anesthesiology at Vanderbilt. Ah, We've been married for seven years, four months, and 23 days as of right now. (laughs) We have one cat, one dog, and zero kids so far.
0: So then the obvious question is, is why are we up here? Um, we're not really sure. This is sort of born out of the talk that, that we presented last year that Sydney wasn't able to be a part of in, in person, but definitely in content. And most of the questions at the end of that session were about uh, being a female in medicine as well as being married. So this year she was able to be uh, away from the hospital and is present. And then also just some of the things we've especially learned uh, the last year Um, we found very important to us at least to share to other people. We see other people going through the same struggles and then many of our friends this year for whatever reason um, have reached a point in uh, especially their marriages in particular I guess in the context of this where they're really struggling and um, we're just trying to pass on things that people have passed to us. So in terms of in terms of outline, um, we had set up where we were going to talk about ideas and then the practical applications and then turn it into a dialogue, but we found a much useful, more useful way to do this is to just give kind of practical ideas we have found. Um, and uh-huh. uh, So go from practical ideas uh, and you'll see the theory behind it, you don't have to hold it. Um, the theory behind it and then turn that into a dialogue, so it should be an outline more like that.
1: So we obviously, I think there's different models of couples who are probably in here. But are there any, um, so how many people are married? Okay. And how many people are engaged? And then how many people are dating?
0: Okay. Wait, how can you be engaged and you're just dating? (laughs) It's different couples. Okay. All right.
1: So. Obviously, we're speaking from a two-physician married couple, but there's other obviously couples out there. So, like the one physician who's married to a nurse or some or another allied health or non-medical um, spouse. And so we can obviously really relate to the double physician um, married couple. Um, and I think we can we can relate and give you our perspective, and hopefully you can take some things away from that into your relationship and maybe apply some of the things we've learned. Um, but I know that each relationship is, is different as far as the strengths and weaknesses and the pros and cons, and I wanted to take a minute at least from this slide um, and just say at least some of the pros and cons for having a dual relationship, a dual physician relationship, and that's that I think the main pro is that with Doug and myself both being physicians, we both know what the other person is going through. So it's just tangible to me when he comes home and he's had a long day, or he's in the OR and he can't talk, and he says, hey, can't talk, and slams down the phone. I'm okay. I know what that means, and it doesn't offend me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. Versus um, I think it may take a little while for someone who's not in medicine to not be quite so sensitive maybe to some of those urgent situations and apparent rudeness at times. Um, so that's to audience number one. And I think as far as the one physician one physician marriage where the other person is either outside medicine or is a non-physician, I think the benefit of that really, from my perspective of what I see from my, from my friends who are in that situation, is that the benefit... Um, relates more to kind of the home time and having someone who doesn't have quite um, as demanding a schedule, and they're able to really help and support the physician side, especially when they're in the midst of training. So I'm still in the midst of training. Doug just finished, obviously, about a year and a half ago. Um, I think the person who's the non-physician couple, especially during time of training, is really able to help and support the person who's in the midst of kind of the the trenches of,
0: um, of training. The second audience would be those uh, preparing for marriage. Probably the best time to prepare for marriage is before you're married, but you'll probably learn it and be better at it while you're married. Um, so we, uh, we think all this stuff can apply you know, to dating relationships, engaged relationships, or married relationships. So um, you won't be left out.
1: Um, The scripture verse that's it's a little bit cut off, but it's from Habakkuk 3 verses 17 through 19, and this is uh, the last few verses of this chapter. Um, Though the fig tree should not blossom and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds feet and makes me walk on the high places. This was kind of my verse through medical school and uh, residency. Just, And I think that this can also relate a lot to marriage. Um, I got Doug and I got married. I was after my first year of medical school, and Doug was just finished his second year of medical school as he was about to go into his third year clinical clerkships, and this verse I think relates to the difficulties and challenges in dry seasons, both spiritually and just the struggles of learning how to become a physician. Um, but then also the, the wonderful, fruitful times that God does give you, and that even if you're going through a really hard time in your marriage or in your relationship with the Lord, the relationship with um, other people um, that, that God is faithful and he loves you and that he will allow you through those hard times to walk through high places that he'll give you feet like a deer so that you can climb up those, the cliffs that are in front of you and seem insurmountable All
0: right. so this is our first practical principle is to anticipate problems not to be a pessimist But But she is. uh, But uh, you want your anesthesiologist. I'm the optimist. Um, So as best we can tell, reading and talking to people, the first hurdle people have to clear when they get married is the cleaving, where you you leave your family of origin and create your new family. And different people struggle with that in different ways, but that's definitely something that people have to deal with the first 18, 24 months of marriage, and hopefully they get over that, although sometimes that moves into the future. Then in people talk about year five to seven-ish, you deal with this idea of codependency, and the best definition we found for that is when when my needs can't be met unless her needs are being met. So that's, that's our best working definition of what being codependent is. So we're trying, this is our hurdle right now, we think, primarily trying to reach a point where I can be okay even if she's not okay, that it does not affect my work or my emotions. you agree with that? Disagree? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then lastly, so far, we've only looked down the line a little bit, that if you've learned how to avoid codependency, then you struggle with this idea of intimacy and closeness because you've learned to be so autonomous you don't need the other person. So the, the, the trick of it is not to be fused together and unable to function without each other, but then not to drift apart. So do you have anything to add? Yes.
1: I always have something to add to what Doug has to say. Um, but as far as the codependency, I just wanted to share a little bit about that. So for instance, just an example, um, but let's say that Doug comes home from work and he's really angry about one of the surgeons that he works with. And he's he's upset, he's angry, he's frustrated at this surgeon, he's frustrated about how his the case went, what happened to the patient, and he has all these emotions just churning inside. And so me being the empathetic physician and woman and wife that I am, I want to reach out to him and I want to really connect with him. And so then I start feeling angry with him and angry at the surgeon and kind of fueling these feelings. And rather than just saying, that's that's your anger, and listen to him and say, share with me and tell me about that and tell me about that situation and why are you feeling so angry? Let's talk about the surgeon. Let's talk about the situation. Um tell me about what made you so angry about that, Doug, and and then just leave the emotions. I don't have to be angry with Doug in order to have connected with him over that situation or to be a good wife to him. Does that make sense? Sort of? Okay.
0: Um,
1: the other... So Doug and myself... When we both were in residency in last year, during my first year of fellowship in ID, um, you know, we basically, everyone works 80 hours a week, right, nothing more than that. Um, You're at the hospital, post-call, you Q4, you work 80 hours a week, you have four days off every month. So that leaves you, there's only 168 hours in the week. You work 80 hours of that, that's 86 hours left, 88, 88 hours left. And so you only have 88 hours of time with your spouse, basically. And so you need to utilize your time with them. So being smart with the time that you have with that person, since you don't have a lot of quantity of time, you need to. And quantity of time is important, but during this season of time, season of life, and your training, you're just not given quantity of time. So you just have to make the most with the quality things that you do together. So. Doug and myself, for instance, we we would go do our grocery shopping together. We would run all of our errands together. Anything that we could do together as a couple, uh, we would go and do. Now, did we do things independent and you know, or were we stuck together like glue? No, we did independent things, and you ha- and you need to do things by yourself. But things that were like task tasky, random things that you just have to do, we would we would try and do those things together just to pack in the moments where we could have conversations going to and from the grocery store or to Target or wherever.
0: I guess the main thing we mean by this is if you're both off, then be focused on each other. I mean, don't study when you're both off. You know, I would study when she was on call or when she was asleep. So it kind of makes sense, but it's easy to forget about that. And it's also usually you'll get your schedules in such a way that you'll know the nights that you'll be able to focus on each other as opposed to having to study. Okay. And I
1: guess for medical students, that's hard because you feel like you always have to study. I don't know, maybe you don't feel like that. But who's in medical school? So do you guys feel like you have to study all the time? Yeah, so we did too. Doug was a gunner. And so, um, he, you know, you'd know, you want to study all the time. And I remember, Doug and I got married on June 22nd, 2002, and we went on our honeymoon and we came back. And two weeks after that, For about two weeks, he was going to start his family practice clerkship about four hours away from Augusta. And our medical school was kind enough to say that I could live with him for those two weeks until I came back and had to start medical school back in Augusta for my second year. And so while we were there, it was awful. (laughs) It was miserable. Doug would come home from being a rock star at the clinic and I would be home and I had written thank you notes all day long and was so excited to be married to Doug. Oh, this is a dream come true. This is so wonderful. I'm married. Yay. And then he'd come home and he was like, I have to study about hypertension and coronary artery disease and whatever else, diarrhea. And and I would be sitting there thinking, but we just got married and I'm leaving in two weeks. And don't you want to hang out with me? And the answer for Doug, who's it really in his heart, he's a surgeon. He said, "No, I want to study." And so I felt—I mean, I felt awful. And this really did damage our marriage, didn't it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> it really did damage our marriage because I was so hurt when he came home and he didn't have time for me. So. Utilizing time together means, for those of you who are studying and feel like you have to study all the time, um, yes, it's important to study, and yes, it's important to be to learn and gain the knowledge, but you have a very precious relationship with your spouse that you need to nourish and, and to love and to connect with that person and to continue to be curious about them. So um, just pray that God will fit in that time and that you guys will um, that you guys will not study and just be geniuses. Thanks, Jason. No. <laughs> no, that you guys will um, connect even though the hours are short. Because it's going to be like that.
0: That's for you. I'll do the next one. Okay.
1: Um, the other thing that we learned, especially this last year of our um, marriage is um, was just to pray. I mean, we've, we've always had people pray for our marriage. Um, we've prayed for our marriage. Um, but it is so important, I can't tell you how important it is, to enlist other people to be prayer warriors for you um, as you're preparing to get married, as for you engaged couples, and then once you are married, to have someone who is committed to praying for you, and then for you guys to pray with one another about your marriage, to be honest about your struggles, um, to be honest about where you are with one another, what just what's <coughs> going on in your marriage, and just for um, you guys to have unity when, thing, when you guys just may feel so disconnected. Um, and maybe some of you sitting in here feel so disconnected from your spouse, you're sitting next to them, but it feels like you're sitting next to a total stranger who is not connected to you in any way other than the fact that you may have a ring on your finger. And Doug and I were there a year ago, and thanks to some wonderful people sitting in this room, we are, um, our marriage is the best it's been, aside from this morning when, when we just got in a huge argument. And we we're like, <laughs> Satan's attacking us for giving our marriage talk. I'm like, we're not finished, we're not ready to give this talk. But um, so just pray.
0: It seems really elementary, but the, the hours of residency are like your worst third year rotation and then some. So medical school seems was so challenging. It was the hardest thing you did at that point. And then once you get past it, it's like, oh I wish I could go back to medical school and have those kind of hours. Um, so loneliness uh, is something that as best we can tell with our anecdotal sleuthing every married person deals with. You think you get married and you cure these longings for loneliness on the inside. I think it's just going to be accelerated, and you'll feel it more acutely, because the person who's supposed to complete you the most, in some ways, is the most distant from you. And most, my perception of loneliness was that it was a bad thing, and now I've come, uh, we've come through uh, through interacting with other people, and some ideas that loneliness is something God designs, because all of us are designed ultimately for relationship, primarily with Him but with yourself and with others. And loneliness is just that cue, that emotional response inside that you are missing out on something, whether it's your relationship with him, your relationship with a spouse, a friend, or family, or even just time in yourself, uh, with yourself just to kind of uh, uh, regain your sanity. So loneliness we don't think is a bad thing, but it's something to definitely know, you're probably going to deal with it your whole life, unless you're <coughs> some sort of... Uh, uh, psychopath in that sense, but all, all loneliness means is that you're looking for some relationship, and many times I think we get in trouble because we feel lonely for God, and we seek satisfaction or solace from that loneliness in other people, um, or vice versa, you know, so there are different kinds of loneliness, and part of growing up emotionally, I think, is learning to process your loneliness, but the, um, the reason we put this up here is just to say that marriage is very, very lonely, and you'll be more lonely married than you are not married. don't know what to say. Here,
1: So when when Doug started, or I'm sorry, when I started my fellowship a year and a half ago, um, it, it was a lot more time-consuming than I thought it was. It was like being an intern all over again, um, except I carried a pager for 28 days, for 26 days out of the month. And, and so the Doug, here he is, married to me, thinking, oh, wow, we're going to have more time together, maybe we'll have some weekends off, this will be great. And so he has this expectation that we're going to be spending more time together and I'm going to be a different type of wife to him. I'm going to be more available, I'm going to be able to do more things around the house, I'm going to be able to maybe even cook for him. Um, I'll be able to, like, walk the dog. I'll be able to whatever. And be more spontaneous. Um, And so instead... He got a wife who spent 80 hours in the hospital and then came home and was writing notes or calling patients or returning pages until 2 in the morning or whatever, and many times slept in the guest bedroom rather than in the master bedroom. And so he acutely felt, well, I think I'm just going to phrase it a different way, but his the loneliness he felt was his expectations of me weren't being met. And because he expected me to be there with him and I wasn't, he was even more lonely because... If he didn't, if he, the expectation through internship and residency was, well, I'm not going to see her every fourth night. She's going to be in the hospital, blah, 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 blah. But in this fellowship, he was expecting me to be in a certain role. And when I wasn't, or I was able, or he was expecting me to be um, there a certain amount of time. And I was as well. And when I wasn't able to be there, of course, I wasn't happy either. But he had even this more acute sense of being lonely. And so even in the midst of marriage, you feel loneliness even more acutely because you expect that that person is going to make you not lonely. Say
0: this. So we found that uh, at first we thought we had failed in having to interact with the marriage counselor. And now we're ecstatic. And um, Sydney, six months ago, said, oh, we're cured now. We don't need to see you anymore. But this guy was such a benefit just to our practice as well as our interaction with our friends that we've continued to see him. Um, and kind of got over the acute issue of the stress we felt during her first year of fellowship. But, uh, so we just want to, one, say it's okay to see a counselor. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. Um, a lot of times they can facilitate communication that two people who are very emotional about something would struggle with. And then secondly, not all counselors are created equally. We tried to see one guy in Birmingham who, total waste of time is the best way to say it. And um, you know we're, we're glad we survived that encounter because... Uh, uh, it was it was part of the part of the stress too. So it was it was nice to find out that there are counselors who are very skilled at facilitating interactions um, between spouses. So don't think that you have failed in any sorry in any uh, form or fashion. Um, in terms of time off together, our first six years of marriage, we only got one week each year off. So we found it important with the resident scheduling system to focus on your golden weekends or that weekend where you have Saturday and Sunday off and try to line those up. Um, And then if you do have days off together, this is kind of similar to that other slide on time, you know, plan those days. You should know in advance. But don't be too bent out of whack if you can't get your weeks off together because a lot of times it's dictated by the service you're on and whether they even approve time off. Some services don't. You know, you can't get a week off in an ICU, but you can when you're an outpatient. So, you know, our mentors in med school told us focus on those weekends, that you'll have better success, and there'll be a better investment in your relationship maybe than a, a big splurge week.
1: Wait, can you go back one slide? So I just wanted to add that with the counselor... So I disagree with Doug, respectfully, that there is, so there is something wrong when you go and see a counselor. And yes, there is something wrong with you, and there's something wrong with your husband when you go and see a counselor. Otherwise, you wouldn't be going and see a counselor in the first place. But it's not bad, or there's not something, like, psychiatrically wrong with you if you go and see a counselor. But I think the most important thing is that you recognize that something is wrong and you need help and that you find a Christian counselor who is sound in their biblical theology so that they can help walk with you and and mentor you um, emotionally through through the process of trying to kind of, for us, save your marriage and then grow your marriage and have healthy relationship with your spouse.
0: See, I would say... Something's wrong with you in that you're a child of Adam or Eve, so you're a sinner. So I mean I I mean is that what you're saying that there's certain couples that wouldn't benefit?
1: No, I'm saying that you were wrong and we need to see a counselor because you were mean to me. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. So I'll say this one because I don't have to deal with it and then turn this over to her. One of the hardest things for us was dealing with the perceptions of what a female, in particular a Christian, what her roles are at home and at church when trying to be a professional in the hospital. And I think it is the hardest part of, of, of us is the pressure on her shoulders and, and her role. So I think it's very hard. I admire all the women um, that I know in medicine and those I don't know in medicine. But I think that is the hardest question to answer and the hardest uh, problem to solve.
1: So I'm still... Learning this and trying every day, this is kind of an ongoing conversation that I'm having with with God, ongoing conversation that I have with Doug and other people in my life, trying to figure out the pulls between wanting to be an excellent infectious diseases physician, how to be, um, you know, doing well in an academic institution, how to do well at home with Doug. And then when we expand our family, how do we tie in children into all this and for me to be an excellent mom? And so obviously I, I can't comment on how to manage having kids since we don't have them. Now we do have a very demanding Doberman Pinscher, as the Axe can testify to. And he's like our child, but it's not like having a kid, although he's been a good test run. Um, but um, we are... We are planning on on having kids through um, adoption, um, which we're actively pursuing. But um, that may happen in about a year and a half or so. So maybe in two years you can hear how we are doing this. But, um, but at least for me, for the women in the room, I, I can tell you that I feel obviously I'm called to be a wife. I can clearly see that role. I am called to be a physician. I love taking care of, of patients. My patients love me taking care of them. And every time when I think, I just want to be, maybe I I should be a stay-at-home mom. Maybe this is just getting too much. There's too many things on my plate, and I'm not going to be able to handle everything. I sit, and there's, clearly I interact with a patient who says, I'm so glad you're a physician. Or God just constantly reminds me that I'm in the roles that he has me in because he's put me there. And, um... And so in that, I can also, I'll just share my heart with you, but I feel, I have a, and I think many women in here feel the same way, is that you have a great capacity to love. You love people, that's why you're a physician. You love your husband. And um, and I think sometimes we have such great love that that rolls over into wanting to be a mother. And um, I think that for those of us that God has given a great capacity to love that pouring that out into your husband and your patients and your children it'll it'll happen. I don't know how to give you a prescription to say this will work and maybe someone in here can stand up and say more than I can but um, I know that if that's a desire that God has put in your heart that he'll make it work and it might take a lot of people to help you out and you'll have to figure out how to balance work and child rearing and being a spouse, and I certainly don't have a formula for that. But I can just say that if God has put that desire in your heart, don't ignore it, don't be. Don't act on your fears, just um, use the gifts that God has given you, and don't just set them aside.
0: So this is mine, because she mentioned that she loves medicine. For me, it's a job, and when I go home, I'm done with it. I leave my pager uh, as far away from me as I can. And, um, like, even today she was obsessed with finding somebody to cover her pager, even though she's in a lab. So I don't know if the rats have emergencies or, or <laughs> what her concern was, but it was a big deal for her to find somebody to cover her pager. And my pager's in my office, buzzing away. Um, and uh, so a stressor for me as, as a physician's spouse is that a lot of times she would come home and just bring everything home with her. It's very easy for me to leave stuff at the hospital. It's very hard for her to leave it. So this is an, an ongoing um, compromise depending on, on who has more needs, whether I can say, look, you know, you've know, you got five more minutes to talk about medicine, and then we have to talk about something else, or whether she's the needy one and she's like, no, I really need to talk about this tonight, so I have to you know, be the be the other consulting physician and listen to her talk. So that's something that you know is, a, is a, a question answered every night as to how much of this will go on. But definitely I think if you're married to a non-medical person, you're going to have to learn to be very sensitive to deal with overloading them because the fact you've made it through medical school means your ability to sit and have mindless drivel pounded into your brain <laughs> is, is way beyond probably what they can do unless they're a lawyer. <laughs> and um, you just need to be sensitive to that, because I think that can really push people away, because it pushes me away a lot. <laughs> do you want to add anything? <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry.
1: Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, just the, our interactions with patients. I mean, Doug is an anesthesiologist, so what does he do? He does interact with his patients. He wears PJs to work, and he puts them to sleep, and then he wakes them up, and then they're, he's done with them. Me... I'm, like, the real physician in the family, right? So I think, and I'm, like, coming up with these zebras that patients have. This person has hemophagocytic lymphohistiocytosis. This is so cool. And I want to come home, and I want to tell Doug all about it. And he's, like, are you done stirring the meat to go and spaghetti or whatever? So just... So, I, the way I process information and the way I interact with my patients, obviously there's a lot of talking and a lot of discussion. Doug just pushes for said and whatever else. You give propofol and they're gone. And then they come back and he's like, see you later, I'll see him attack you. So, we just interact with patients differently. So, Doug, this is just understand that I'm different than you in the way I interact with patients.
0: So anybody who does surgery and anesthesia knows that she doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> so, um, and the other thing that we were bad about, but we were much better about in medical school and residency, was, was protecting a date night even at the cost of other relationships. Just to say, spouse, you're important to me. We're going to go out. So, you know, we tried the, oh, every Friday night. And then when we started taking call and and having service duties, that didn't work. And then it got to where we could sit down usually with our schedules and line up calls and whatnot and protect, you know, three or four nights a month saying this Tuesday night and this Saturday night and this Monday night, those are our date nights. Um, You know, not that we had much resources or time or energy even to go out and do things, but at least to know that we're going to have dinner together and not have a third party there um, was very important. So we encourage date night and, and hopefully continue that. Your favorite date night. I don't want to get that one wrong, so I'll let you answer that. <laughs>
1: so I was just going. So when we were in medical school, one of our favorite di- date, date nights— one of our favorite date nights—was um, this video game called Morrowind. Does anyone know what Morrowind is? Some of the guys in the room are nodding. So we played Morrowind. I was an assassin. That was really fun, and it kept us going for a while. And then, um, and now we uh, we really enjoy um, playing.
0: Guitar Hero. I'm the drummer. <laughs> I'm the drummer.
1: <laughs> Doug's the guitarist, and we love it. It's great. So we get to like pound and strum mm-hmm. out of our frustrations. We invite some friends over. Is Brian Pugh here? No, mm-hmm. not yet. He's our um, sometimes our vocalist, but usually our bass player.
0: And that is all we have to say, but we would very much like to hear your questions and comments and uh, go from there. Do you want to turn on the lights? I can't. <coughs> well, then it has to go on the thing. Oh, okay. oh, Jesus. Um. To have gotten married earlier. It makes it much harder, but I think you know, one of one of the best volitional decisions I made was to marry her, and so that's my regrets I didn't do it earlier. Um, that said, it definitely would have complicated, you know, medical school or, or first part. So it adds complications, but I don't regret it, and only really regret not doing it sooner. So that would be my answer. Very sweet. Okay. You can just repeat
2: questions.
1: Oh, okay. That's great. Yes.
2: I don't know if you need me to use the mic, but I'll speak from experience. I'm a physician. I'm actually an infectious disease specialist. My wife's an ob We did the same thing. We were married, and three months later, we both started med school in the same class okay. and went eight years through a four-year residency. We have six kids, and my oldest son died when he was two and a half years old. Mm-hmm. Um, the, well, we had lots of excitement. But there's a basic principle here. You don't have to do this. There's nobody requiring you to be in two physicians in a, in a marriage. And there's another very simple thing really helped our marriage, that is, we made a promise to each other that if a career ever came between us, we would walk away from it. Skip the debt, the career, the academics, the prestige, we'd walk away or take our walk with us. What you're doing is an absolutely incredible thing. You think of the abuse, the distresses, the death. The challenges you go through in the medical training, you double that. And then you pull together a relationship purely on all of and self-respect through that. There's not many people pull that off. It is really an act of God you come out at the end. It's tough enough being married to someone that's dramatically different than you, let alone like adding all the stressors. If you look at those stress scales, or depression scales, or life change scales, Positions, particularly double positions in a marriage, you're off the measurements. you like 150 points out of room, when you put all those things together. And you really need to have that commitment to walk away from your career. That's what it takes to preserve the marriage. Usually that saves it alone. And then I agree completely about the counseling. Counsel of some sort, whether it's a professional counselor. Pastors you can trust, because God's word, you minister to you, mothers in law, whether they bring groceries or babysit, and give you wise counsel. Um, and then other Christian women and It's very easy, particularly in academic medicine, to believe a lie that this is what life's about in academic medicine. It's not. Most of the people in this world are like looking at you and saying, you are nuts. <laughs> we, you know, we work eight hours a day, five days a week. And we have a date night every week, No problem, etc. So remember, you you don't have to be. There is no escape. When you go into practice, keep that in mind. There are really, I'm a hospitalist right now. There are real programs where you aren't going call all night. And you don't have to be. There are real programs where and turn the painter off if somebody really does take care of the $100. So keep that in mind, you don't have to stretch yourself that far. And choosing those kind of venues to live your life will help your family. And I don't want to be too long when someone to talk, but the, your kids. Kids are the most precious thing you'll ever be given in your life. There's just no way around it. That's life. And they are the weakest link under severe stress. So when you get little children, particularly toddlers, preschoolers, keep that in mind. It was painfully illustrated with me in my personal way. So keep that in mind that you got beat up by academic professors for an eight years. Fought with your colleagues for brands, et cetera. You made You got serious muscle, serious brawn. A two year old doesn't. You can't take that one of those skills. So when the little kids come along, purposefully back off.
1: Make some room That is awesome. You should come up here. And get them. <laughs> you should be up here talking. Um, thank you. I used to. <laughs> Thank you. Um, actually, I want, let me just make one comment on that. That um, Doug and I have this saying called "Marriage first And um, you know, when I started medical school, I was like, "I'm going to be a doctor no matter what. Nothing's going to stop me." And part of I, maybe in a way you feel like you have to have that mentality just to kind of get through and survive. And then, it's, um especially the last. Year, half year or so, I've just God has just really just opened up my hand as far as with at least between my career and pursuit of family and all this, it's just really opened up my hand to say God, whatever you want from me, I'm available. So whether it's staying in academics and doing ID or doing, being in an outpatient setting or a faith-based clinic or to back out of medicine for a for a period of time in order to have kids, the hand is kind of opened a lot. And um, and I, I, my heart kind of resonates with what you were just saying as far as being willing to put a career on hold. Um, there's certainly a desire to do all those things. And I know that sometimes maybe that we'll just see what the Lord has in store. There was a question in the back.
3: Yeah, I was just wondering if you highlight some of the resources you're able to make available. whether that were available to you from your church while you guys
2: were together? The Bible.
0: <laughs> I think it would be the people. So not a specific book or program. We were just blessed with, with individuals that I know are surrounding you. You might not know them yet, but I think when the time comes, God will reveal them. To think. I, I think it would be the people. I mean, there are lots of books, and people have their favorite books. that will be the best book ever. It'll totally change your life, and it might not be the right book for you.
2: I'll, I'll give you a couple suggestions since my wife has opinions that I haven't forgotten. Uh, His Need, Her Needs is a very good book for explaining some of the differences between men and women. You actually, you guys sort of role play some of them. different expectations we have of each other. Different needs we have of each other and how to fulfill them as part of our love to our spouse. His needs, her needs. For sexuality, which you guys didn't crack that
1: one open. Well, I was going to say, does anyone want to talk about sex? But I was just going to wait till the end. But a very good one (laughs) one is the act of marriage, which
2: is really technique oriented, but it's Bible based about sexuality you know, and the issues that surround me. So but, yeah, that's one
3: more time. i was just going to add, uh, I think the best resource that you can have is each other. Uh, my husband and I, at the end of the month, we just think he's, by the way, is not in medicine. He is in ministry and is a preacher, and he's gone just as much as I am. He's at church and so, i Talk about one thing that like really irritated us or frustrated us from that person like just one bad thing and then we always have to end on one good thing like this is something that you did really well this month and so in a sense like because he's respectful of my time he doesn't want like to always be nagging me like you did this and really irritated me did it. he's like i'm gonna let you study and so he won't speak up and he won't say those things and so at the end of the month that gives him that opportunity to tell me what it is so that I can improve and I can do better, and that way he doesn't feel like he's taking away my study time, but I feel like I'm still working on our marriage at the same time. So I think that every person who's should have a new mind.
1: So, was there a question over here? Did anyone want to talk about sex? I, I have a question before that. Yeah. <laughs> what about um,
3: students uh, that are dating and they're not pre Like, you know, your spouse is not pre Yeah. Like, how do you do that? How do you cope with with not being able to give them so much time? Or, you know, because it's hard. It's hard. But just saying that is not good enough. Because men are very emotional. <laughs> We're all emotional. As much as they don't like to say, they're extremely so. All emotional.
2: I don't know if there's any career counselors here, marriage counselors here. But one thing I've heard and seen is, I think any couple would be wise, no matter if they're medical or not, to experience their spouse's work environment at least a couple times, especially early in the marriage. But what's going on. There's nothing like knowing what's going on, really going on at work to understand the reason he's late is somebody's dying. Or it's my really dad true. was a plumber, you know, the toilet didn't work down the street, that kind of thing. It just brings an appreciation of the realness of, of what the spouse is encountering, and how to, how, to, how to appreciate it and support them. sometimes help them troubleshoot the stresses of their work. The, and, um, So there's nothing like going to work with your spouse if that'll work for you. I think for medical
3: To be able to be upset that he didn't come home when I want, like, to be constantly told, well, somebody's dying or somebody's it's like, okay, okay, there's always gonna be somebody. dying. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna be more important than <laughs> your job, but I it needs to be okay that I'm upset about that sometimes, and I need to be able to vent that to you, and you take that and not be offended by that. And What are you
1: that you feel like you're more important, you are more important, and maybe the time difference, the division of time in life does not look that way as far as the pie chart. <laughs> time with wife is not like 75%. That's work, and then you're like 10%. And certainly, we've felt like that. And it is it is very hard when the person on the receiving end is the 10% slice. And um, I think that you touched on a really great point of for that other person, to, or both, well for both people, to be honest with one another about their emotions and to be able to say what you're feeling. Doug, I was really sad today because you were gone for 15 hours and we had, I had planned a really romantic dinner with you and you weren't able to be there. And instead of him saying, well, you don't need to feel sad about that because I was saving lives and da <laughs> da 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 what he should do is say, well, tell me about why you're so sad. Or you don't need to fix it. You just need to talk to me about it. And it goes both ways. If Doug says Sydney, I was really angry at you because you said you'd be home at five and you get home till eight thirty, and you brought all this work home with you. I'm really ticked off at you right now. I'm like, yeah, that really sucks. I'm sorry. Tell me. You know, you just need to keep the lines of communication open and be on. That's the hardest thing. Is Feeling like you can't be honest with your spouse because you're going to have some type of punishment for being honest about your emotions. So, if you guys can get to the point of being honest with your emotions with one another and then honest with God, trusting Him with the process, you'll go very far.
2: Yeah, comment on she had to say about well, this excuse, so I was doing something more important here. I wouldn't suggest that at all. I would, it's worthwhile to know. What your spouse does. You understand you ought to pray for them, support them, counsel them, each other. But when it comes to that, the actual responsibility I have to my wife, I say this to the guys, is we tend to be kind of work task oriented okay, as a general opinion. We think everything, if we're doing it, we think everything's more important than somebody else's And especially if it's our work. When you got up and gave that vow You just told her, forever thereafter until death, that she is the most important thing. You would die for her. And and that example, that biblical example in the writings of Paul about Christ and his bride, that we should die like Christ and his bride, is literally true. That we are called upon. Die. We're called upon to give up our professions for our love. We're called upon to give up our hobbies for our love. That really is what Christ did. Remember really what Jesus did for this part of the church? He died for her when she was in full sin. <clears throat> for what purpose? To cleanse her, to make her pure, present himself. Now, us guys don't pull that part off. But that is the example that we're to give up in the face of, quote, unappreciated, like Christ died for us when we were sinners. And that is the model for the man in the marriage. So there's no work's more important than Susie Down the Street My wife is most important than her service, then, to the church and to Christ is a free being. Stay and save that one. You stay the person. She gets first dibs. She is <laughs> when I die. It's, and it's it's kind. Of, my wife and I joke about this. Now we've been doing this for 27 years now. You know, I'll tell her I feel like I'm being crucified. You
3: know,
2: and, and the answer is yes, I am. And She knows what I'm talking about. Because she, she brings God's word to me, too. There are times she says, you know what, you got your priorities wrong. You didn't spend the time with you, you missed the romantic outing. You're in sin, but You need to repent. Okay? And I need to listen to that. Word. She is God's voice to me many times. And the flip side, there are times when... Another word to the wise, which you just reminded me of. As physicians, we tend to be kind of OCD, obsessive, compulsive, very thought-oriented. We love to (coughs) resolve things by discussion, conversation. It's wonderful. You will pull it off 90% of the time. But I will tell you, the the nuclear meltdown will be when you both can't talk and rely on that. Jesus gave us a very good tool, uh, method. forgive someone without even hearing and ask for them. love covers those instances where I come home late, I forgot there was a romantic she's just broken hearted that I forgot I'm saving lives instead of seeing her I'm exhausted because the patient died she's exhausted because she got bad news on something else during the day and we meet and we have no we both need each other and we're both exhausted. And that's the point where you say, you know what, we need to forgive each other. I forgive you, I love you. Let's go to And we'll do something pleasurable together and to love each other and keep the commitment. I like the monthly meeting idea, the weekly date, I can't over-recommend that. A time when then you are awake, you're sort of you're replenished and you can sit down. Don't count on always being on
3: a I think just a couple practical things too, like especially with dating engagement, like I'm a non-medical person and I just feel like um, like we text periodically and as long as I know kind of like that he's having a hectic day, even if it's just one quick message, like that's okay. As long as I've been told and I've you know, I think that that lets me know that I'm so important and I'm for you to let me know that. Or, you know, like setting expectations. Like, again, and, you know, since we're married in the morning, I just ask him what his day looks like. But you would do that even you know, on a weekly basis to say, this is what my week looks like. We may not have enough time. You know, we may not have much time. Um, you know, on this day I could be late, but we'll make time this evening or something like that. Just very little practical yeah, being
2: filled in is great. Yeah. A great point. Sometimes, like when there's a little bit of downtime, like you know, just sitting <laughs> right around waiting on something to happen, right. you know, I'll pick up the phone and call like,
3: just yeah.
2: once a day. And I don't, I don't want to like give men. advice, but I think that helps a lot just
3: to hear each other's voice the have talk. Something you know, especially know. if you're a <laughs> call. it yeah, does have to be a detailed conversation <laughs> Usually, two. it's not. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> 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 just Did on another practical note, we're both um, physicians in residency and will be his family practice. Um, we made a rule that you don't have to
1: cook dinner post-call. Because so, you're just at this point post-call that you don't even put things in the right place. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah. You just need to go to bed. And you, So the rule is whoever's post-call doesn't have to make dinner. If we're both post-call, you get pizza and you right. just get over it. And that's <laughs> what you eat that night. Um, and
3: that help. little things like that, recognizing when the other person is so tired, no matter what you say, is not going to go in the ear correctly, it's just not going to sink in correctly, so you yep. just
1: send them to bed and worry about eating when you're <laughs> conscious <laughs>
3: enough.
1: <laughs> I, Doug and I have a, so we also have another rule for the post-call person, you're not allowed to get in an argument with your spouse, yes. um, post-call, for 24 hours, like No communication about something negative. So one time, this is our funny, one of our funny... Oh, we have to It was about laundry. So basically now we have totally segregated laundry due to this 911 page to me about the laundry situation. (laughs) (laughs) We have time for another question. I had a
3: question about, you know, if you're applying to residency and looking to... Find ways that you can find residences that might be a little bit more friendly towards your marriage. What are questions that are important to
0: ask about it? To do, about what it? discipline are you going into? Uh,
3: I'm interested
2: in surgery. She's interested in maybe internal. Somebody captured this in another yeah. talk. Ask the chairman just some general questions about marriage. Mm-hmm. I, my wife encountered this. She was interviewing actually down the road here. And uh, she asked the chairman, oh, you know, what do your, what do your residents do um, with their social lives or marriage? And his response, point blank, was, they don't need that. They've got their career. Six of them. I got six residents a year. Five of them are already divorced. He had no concern for their marital life.
0: Yeah. And and you'll know when you go interview. I mean, you'll you go out and people for dinner, and it's not with the tenants usually, it's with the other residents, and you'll just pick up the vibe, and you'll know like, oh, this is a program for single people. This is a program for people who you know are going to get divorced. This is a program for people who are <laughs> you know are very family oriented. And even within surgery, the hard part will be couples matching and finding two programs that have those local cultures that line up.
1: But one of the questions that both of you guys can ask is say. My spouse is applying for internal medicine. She's interviewing today. What are you going to do to make sure our call schedules are similar so that our op- can we get our off days, can we get our vacations together? Doug and I had one week of vacation a year during for three years um, because our call schedules were totally opposite. So that would be a great question. Now, we didn't couples match. We were off by a year, so that's why we didn't get to do that. But if you guys are couple matching, then that's a great question that you can ask and see what their response to that is as well. And a lot of programs will say, we'll work with you. We'll talk to that other program director and we will come up with your schedules jointly. That's what they should do.
2: There's some regional variation on that too. You can ask around. but The Midwest is known to be more supportive families of families in the South Coast. And the East Coast or the West Coast is less supportive. But this is true in a lot of actual ministries.
0: Last
2: comment? Yeah, I can a little bit. Just, um, I don't know if I'm qualified, we're married three months, um, but I'm a general surgery resident, third year, and uh, she's a PICU nurse, and one thing that's been helpful to me, to us, is to view surgery residency, uh, this is her ministry as well, when I'm, when I'm at work and my training is as much her ministry, and then when she's at work and taking care of her patients in the PICU, that's my ministry also, so uh, viewing her work as an extension of me and my Residency as an extension of her has just made it be um, not. I'm doing on my own. We're not two different people living different lives in the same house. We're trying to live the same life through each other, kind of, and, and it entails a lot of talking and uh, letting each other know what's going on in little snatches and text messages and stuff like that. But we're able to pray for each other, and just our goals are meshing together. Our lives are together, even though we're apart an awful lot.
3: I just want to say one thing with that. With, um, we've got a four-year-old, a one-year-old, and another one on the way. And the four-year-old, it's definitely a challenge sometimes with him getting old enough to care that daddy's not there. And my attitude makes such a difference, though, with how he, so that's just something to be aware. Like he said, your kids just can't handle, my kids can't handle me being upset about their dad not being there. Because they are upset on their own. They don't need me to be upset on top of that, which is definitely a challenge at times. Though it gives you more motivation than okay. I mean, if i have to, if it's upset with them, I do that after the gifts are in bed. But try not to convey to them that that is
0: what you're Great well, I'm going to close this in prayer so you guys can get where you need to be. Father, thank you so much for medicine and for marriages. We just ask you would break us through them and that you would make us the people you want us to be with humble hearts of worship. And we thank you so much um, for the relationships you've given us with other humans, especially a spouse, if you put that person in our life. And we just ask that we would um, uh, love them the way you love the church, Father, and that we would just reflect your love um, and your spirit in all we say and do, both in the hospital and at home. We ask in your name. Amen.